Well, everybody, welcome back to the Trek Podcast with Joey at Goza TV on this beautiful Monday afternoon, 3 p.m. here, June 29, almost to July. Can you believe it? We're almost to July 4th in this very beautiful weekend of independence, of freedom, ironically, all the things that we don't feel. But I think like with faith, we have to transcend what our brains may tell us, meaning you may think, oh, no, we don't have freedom because we can't go to our favorite restaurant or blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not true. But yet that is where being a mature person comes into mind and you have to see things from a different perspective. You know, when I was a young boy, maybe I was six, seven years old, I would be in the back of the bus and I had a crowd around me. <laughs> I mean, this is true. <laughs> Ask my mom. And the reason why is because I was the best Rubik's Cube kid. I would figure that thing out in 10 seconds or I don't know, or less. And I did that by studying books and I would go and research all these things on, not online, but in, in the newspapers. And I think my mom bought me, I made her buy me manuals and all this stuff so that I could be the best. But what's my point? In a Rubik's Cube, like with life, you sometimes have to turn things to see it clearly. You have to ignore what your eyes are seeing, what your senses, emotions, what your body and your mind is telling you, and you have to open your heart. You really have to open your heart to see with the eyes of your heart, hearts of eyes of love. And so, for example, if instead of instead of seeing this weekend as the non-independence weekend, or instead of just seeing it as we have freedom in Christ, both things are very true. We do have freedom in Christ, and of course, we have freedom in this country. You have to turn the Rubik's cube around and see it as, and, and ask yourself the question: Where am I experiencing bondage? In what area am I not feeling free? Now, of course, the simple mind will immediately go to, well, I can't go to my favorite restaurant, or I can't go back to school. or, And of course, that's just normal. But I think the mature mind, or just simply the more, the mind that is at rest with Jesus, will think about maybe a lack of love in your heart. That's always a thing for me. For you, it might be a lack of compassion or empathy, or perhaps the fact that you are living a life of, um, of pride and ego, and that you're bound to your own even need to be free. That could be the very, the very jail cell that we're needing to be free from, is our right to be free. Our right to be free. And instead of seeing it as something that others can control or that others can give us or not, instead, Daisy the dog, probably the Amazon guy, <laughs> instead of seeing freedom as something that others give you or not give you, instead, you have to ask the question, am I free myself? Do I inherently, because of Jesus, because of his love for me, realize how free I am from the things of this world. I mean, that's what all of the giants of the faith teach us, from Abraham to Paul, of course, Jesus, 
the ability to live free of this body of sin and death. I mean, that's what Paul clearly said. He said, who can free me from this life or from this body, he said, of death? Well, he says in the next verse, but praise be to God who frees us or who who leads us to victory in Christ Jesus. Let's actually look at that passage. And then I'm going to talk about what I mentioned in this title in terms of our our bad habit, our tendency to judge others, and yet to realize that that's really a mirror for our own conscience. And so we'll talk about that here in a second. But because we're talking about kind of turning things around and freedom, I want to go to this passage in Romans. What was I talking about? Uh, but uh, who can free me? Who can free me from this body body of sin and death, right? Sin and death. Okay. Romans 7, what a wretched man, says Paul. Beautiful, beautiful statement. That is so true. You know, let me just say another thing. That true... Let's see here. Romans 3.24... I'll just do this better here. Romans 7. Read the whole chapter. How do we do the whole chapter here? Mm. You would think this should be easier. At parallel. How do you read the whole chapter in this app here? Let me just show you what I'm seeing here. I'm at Bible Gateway. And, uh, okay, I think this is it right there, that button. Yes, okay, Romans 7. So this is where he makes a statement, obviously, the Apostle Paul here, of who can free me from this body of sin and death? Meaning, you know, we have this, this problem with being not free. We have this problem right now that we can't do what the heck we want to do, and we deserve to be free, right? And you have people responding to that in all kinds of crazy ways. But let's look at what Paul did with his lack of freedom, okay? So let's go all the way down to... Hmm, let's just read this whole chapter. It's just too good to skip anything. And I won't stop at every word because <laughs> my analytical mind is what it wants to do. By the way, leave me a comment below. Let me know how you're doing today. Share this broadcast with your friends. Let everyone know that here we are live on Instagram, on Twitch, on Periscope, on Twitter, on um, my website, on the church website, on YouTube, which is my favorite place, on my podcast, which is an awesome way to really listen to long-form content. All of my my episodes are an hour long, and Facebook is just not made for that. But um, because of just, you know, people's fast scrolling through Facebook and Instagram. But the podcast, you can check that out at my website, is the best way to receive this content. Or YouTube. But anyway, so Romans 7, look at how beautiful this this passage is. So he says here, let me just adjust a few things here. Okay, hopefully you can hear me better. One, two, one, two. Okay, I think that's better perhaps. I'm not sure why the volume on this thing is going down. Hello, one, two, two, two. Okay. I don't want to blow your ears out. Okay, so Romans 7, verse 1. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? 
<laughs> so much there. Let's just keep going. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband. Excuse me, I'm going to drink some water here. A little parched. You can listen to my swallowing. Excuse me for that. So it says, for example, verse 2, By law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man, isn't that great how the Bible talks about sexual relations? You're like, oh, no. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a joy. It's it's uh, a problem. It's a joy. It's both and. And so we need guidance from God on these topics. We won't, we won't talk about that right now, although I should do a whole series on sexuality and you in light of Jesus. So anyway, verse 3, So then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So my brothers and sisters, you also die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. I mean, that is some thick theological and just ver uh, written word there. And so, if you don't understand that, I don't blame you. It is pretty dense. I remember in school, I took a class, like a whole six-month class. So, imagine six months just in the book of Romans. My favorite book is by Dr. Mu. I, I hope he hasn't passed away, but I know he, I'm not sure, at Fuller Seminary, where I went to school, a book three, four inches thick just on this book of Romans. <laughs> it was life, life-giving. <laughs> All to say, we need to give ourselves time to understand these kinds of, these kinds of letters. Verse 7, let's continue. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not know what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet. You know, that's a little, I don't know. I'm not sure if I agree with that. I think our conscience is the law. And that's eventually where he lands. You know how, whoa, sorry about that. The wind, you know, closes doors super loudly. But here's my point. It's not just the law that tells you that you're a covetous person or envious or an adulterer. It's the actions themselves. It's our conscience. Now, you can dull your conscience. You can work around the, 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 the reality, the consequences of our sin. But sin is sin. And so, but the law definitely, I, I would say, clarifies it. And it makes it black and white. Just in case you're wondering, is it okay to lie or not? The law says, thou shalt not lie. So that's very helpful. Verse 9, verse 9, Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, verse 11, seizing, can I make this bigger? I'm just thinking for you. I see it way too big for me on my screen, but um, I think for you it might be too small. But I don't know if I can make it any bigger, so we'll just have to go with that. Let me see. Can I, I think I can do this here. Let me do a few more things. Yeah. 
I think that is bigger for you there. Okay, that should help some. Okay, let's continue. Mm, okay, let's move down to verse 13. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandments sin might become utterly sinful. Ooh, mind blown, right? Again, four inches of reading just for this book. That's the reality of this amazing stuff. And if I do, verse 16, what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Three quarters, three quarters. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Verse 18, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. This is very, very important. And in some psychological circles, controversial, and some people would say this is wrong. You know, there is a, a big movement, especially in the uh, consciousness, positive mindset, law of attraction, what you could call neo-Buddhism, new age movement. And it's not a new concept, but that says that you are good. Forget all this blame and sin and all this moral, Puritan, Christian, blah, blah, blah. And really, you should start with the fact that you are good. And I would say a lot of postmoderns, you know, postmodern Christianity also would want to eliminate what we call the original sin uh, doctrine, the doctrine of original sin. And now let me say this, original sin doctrinally is not in the Bible. It doesn't, it doesn't say thou shall believe in original sin. It doesn't say thou shall believe in the Trinity. It doesn't say thou shall believe in pre-tribulation or even in the infallibility of the Word of God. That's not in the Bible. It doesn't say thou shall. It says love your Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. All the rest are man-made attempts at understanding God and theology. Now, with that said, whenever you start with the fact that you have no sinful nature and that you are just in your ego when you sin, when you hate, when you're prejudice or when you feel hurt by someone else whenever your ego gets involved you're already kind of going uphill you're already swimming an uphill battle or swimming upstream because you're fighting against this ego in you that destroys what's good in you that divides that gets in the way of you living a peaceful life isn't it true that when you you divide people you know, on the, in the terms or on the basis of race, you feel horrible inside. Or when someone says to you, you're a racist and maybe you're not, doesn't that feel horrible? Or when you do have racist thoughts to, towards an Asian American person or a white person or an African American person, isn't that, doesn't that divide us? Of course, because the ego is involved, the sinful nature that's in there. And that's what he's saying. He's saying that we have this nature in us from the beginning that isn't good, that doesn't want to do what is good. Does it mean that you don't want to do good? Of course it doesn't mean. It's not either or. It's, it's both and. You do want to do what's good in the world, help the poor, help the immigrant, love the, the needy. But you have to always ask yourself, why am I doing this? Is this based on what Jesus has done or is this my ego, my sinful nature, my pride, my envy, my vanity?
And of course the answer is yes, it's because of vanity and envy and pride. You just have to be aware of that and ask Jesus to change your sinful nature and to exchange that that's what's natural to us towards what's supernatural, his grace, his love, his death on a cross, and, and receiving his forgiveness, his blood that was shed on the cross for your forgiveness, so that we can be clean and we can live by his grace. I mean, that's, that's the gospel. Praise be to God, right? So, once again, verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, it says here, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. There it is, verse 18. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good. See, this is very deep and very true. But I cannot carry it out. It's true. I mean, remember the test of the, uh, the I think, three little boys, fourth graders, or maybe it was one, one fourth grader, and he was told, okay, you can have this donut now, or you can have this hundred dollars if you don't eat the donut for three minutes. You can have the donut now and just eat it. <laughs> it's a fourth grader, okay? So an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> or you can not eat the donut, and if you wait for three minutes, you can have $100. He ate the donut, right? Because even though we want to do what's right, wow, our ego, our flesh, whatever you want to call it, our sinful nature, just our freaking love for sugar, go so sugar will win out unless you surrender your sinful nature this body of sin and death to the cross and you keep crucifying it to the cross daily so verse 17 as it is it is no longer i myself who do it but it is sin living in me for i know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature for i have the desire to do what is good but i cannot carry it out verse 19 for i do not do the good i want to do but the evil i do not want to do this i keep on doing and that's the thing about the sinful nature left to its devices it just keeps going and it gets worse and worse no sin no sinner stays the same he or she gets worse, keeps on sinning, and keeps on ruining their lives in worse and worse ways. I mean, this is just what we see in everyday life. You don't have to be a theologian to understand this. It's true. That's what he says. Verse 19, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now, if I do, once again, verse 20, what I do not want to do, it is sin. Verse 21, so here it is. So I find this law at work. <laughs> this is like a, like the horrible way to end this passage, and yet he wraps it up with praising Jesus for his love. He says, verse 21, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. See, isn't that beautiful? My inner being. So now he's speaking about that new creation, that new nature that comes only through Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit that gives you the power to do what is right. 
even the good that people do without Jesus is selfish and it is it comes from our own selfish desires. It's just uncovered. It's it's hidden our motivations even as people of God. We have to constantly examine ourselves to ask why am I judging that person as I said in the title of this video. It's always because you are because you're seeing the ugliness in you and you are living in shame or in fear or in anger frustration because you see that same perfectionism in others that you are denying in yourself that you hate in yourself that you are ashamed in yourself of so when you judge someone else because they are prideful that they're full of envy or they're just vain is because you see that same sinful nature in you and why wouldn't you we're all made from the same cloth from our father satan i don't mean our father spiritually but i mean the father of this world did you know that satan is the father of this earth and we were born into this world and so satan is constantly if you're without jesus fathering speaking controlling ruling your life if you don't have jesus in you even if you're doing good things and kind things and loving people and giving a thousand dollars to the local hospital there's always that problem of motivation and of inner reasoning and of unconsciousness and only in Jesus, only in Christ, can we have true forgiveness and have true repentance and a true new heart. See, this is the problem. This is the gospel. It's not about adding a little bit of God to your good heart. It's about giving you a brand new heart. It's about you confessing and completely denying and removing the heart of stone that we were given, that you and I feed, that you and I thrive in in, in feeding and in, and in repeating the same things of, and asking Jesus by the power of the cross, by the wonderful name that is above every name, to give you a new heart of flesh, a new heart for mercy and love and, and justice. A new creation is what Paul calls it. He doesn't say just a better version of you. It's very popular in New Age, you know, to create a better version of yourself. Maybe you listen to Infinite Waters diving deep once again. What does he say? He's here to create a better version of you. You know, there's good in you, and there's some, a little bit of evil, perhaps, but we just want to create a better you. No, no, no. The gospel says you have to deny yourself, carry the cross, and follow me. You have to admit that you are powerless, says the gospel. It says AA, really. You know, the first step of, of AA is that we are powerless to solve our own problems. Powerless. Let me actually go to that because it's so powerful. AA 12 steps. I love the 12 steps. I don't drink alcohol, but man, I think all of us should be in a 12 step program because of the uh, honesty of these steps. Look at what the first one we admitted we were powerless over name your name your nature, pride judging others, perfectionism, envy, vanity, um, controlling other people, laziness, lust, sloth, envy, knowledge, intelligence, superiority, 
uniqueness. Nobody is as unique as me. You name your your habits, your hurt, your your habit, your hurt, your uh, what is the other one? Whatever hurts, habits, and hangups. We admitted we were powerless over, for me, over wanting to be admired and vanity. Oh, vanity of vanity says. Says the, uh, the the preacher, right? The Solomon Ecclesiastes. What is your vanity? Oh, I'm not vain. Not like him. Well, how is your reliance upon your knowledge? How is your relying on how calm, cool, and collected you are? Is that calm, cool, and collected coming from the Holy Spirit? Or from culture, tradition, even just temperament? All of that is powerless in light of what's happening right now, right? We're powerless. And that's the best thing to do is to admit. That's why I love the first step here. I love all 12. We admit that we are powerless over whatever your habit is, that our lives had become unmanageable. My goodness, what a powerful, powerful statement that we all need. Let me read all 12 of these, right? Came to believe, number two, that Jesus is greater than ourselves, could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God and Jesus as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Wow. Imagine if preachers preach this way. Right? Now, some go too far. Some, that's all they talk about is, you sinner, you sinner, and it just... It scares people away. The gospel isn't you sinner. The gospel is saved by grace. You are a sinner and a saint. That's the gospel. The gospel isn't you sinner, you sinner, you sinner. The gospel is that in spite of our sin, he saved us. Even though we were death, dead in our transgressions, he died for us. The sin is the even though, not the result, not the end of the story. That's just the in spite of our sin. And yet he loved us and gave his life for us. I mean, that's the beauty of the gospel. And so, verse 4, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Just don't go too far with that. But some of us may need to do a little bit more of that. Are you one that doesn't like to be reflective? To think about yourself because you feel guilty. Don't go to guilt, go to the gospel. Go to Jesus. When you feel that guilt over how perfectionist you are, how angry you are, how envious you are, like I said yesterday, you say, the grace of God over me. The grace of God over me. You have to become a Christian every day, is what I think a famous preacher said. Moody, was it? D.L. Moody? Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. That's biblical, by the way. That's in Matthew 25. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. That's the gospel right there. That's what Romans 8 and 7 is talking about. Humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. That's John 3.16. He gave his life so that we would be saved, be freed. And that's number seven, by the way, is you asking. What does it say? If anybody calls upon the name of the Lord, he will be saved. People say, oh yeah, well, I go to church. I listen to you, Trig." that's good but you have to call upon the name of the lord yourself because that involves your actions your past your pains your hurts your habits you have to do it i can't do it for you you have to come to that place humbly like it says there 
to ask Jesus to remove your shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed, <laughs> became willing to make amends to them all. Imagine what kind of church, country, state we would have if the churches, if your family would do that. We do it here at our home. My people say, what's been the key to your success 25 years to this gorgeous woman? Two words, or three, I guess. So, What is that, a compound? I'm sorry, love. Three words, four words. I'm sorry for being this and that and the other. I'm sorry, my wife. For Please forgive me. It's what we learn in counseling. Please forgive me for A, B, and C. Until you get to that point, you just have a superficial relationship. By the way, speaking of that, on Friday night, 8, 8 p.m., I announced this yesterday, in Spanish, so only for Spanish speakers right now, but we'll see if we expand it. I'm going to go over this book with all young couples. Can't see it there, but it's called Tu y Yo, You and Me Forever, A Relationship in Light of Eternity by Francis Chan. I read through this last night. I was reading through it. I have the English version, and then I got the Spanish one just today. And so, I won't go over it right now, but if you are a young couple, or you might be an old couple like me, you know, I mean, at first I wanted to make it about young couples, but really I'm open to whoever God brings. But it is in Espanol for now. Every Friday night at 8 o'clock, starting this Friday on Zoom, all the information is on my website, church website, Facebook, all the places. If you want the information, just leave a one in the comments below and I'll send you information. This Friday, if you're a young couple dating, you, maybe you're in your teens and you have this girl that you like, or maybe you're in your 20s and you're about to get married, perhaps you're in your 20s and you're married, you, now you're having your first child, you might be uh, maybe a young girl who's been through a lot and maybe you have one or two children and you are in a place where you're like, I don't want to deal with men anymore, but you know that God wants marriage to be uh, a, 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 a primary foundation for your life and you want to learn more about, okay, what mistakes to avoid, then tune in. It's free and it's in Espanol. This Friday night, starting for the next six weeks, just go to my website, church website, leave a one in the comments, etc. And we'll get you signed up. So that's talking about being willing to make amends. And then number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. These are the 12 steps, by the way, of AA. Number 10, continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. <laughs> oh, Lord. Here's what I recommend. Instead of saying, man, you should do that, you should do that, she should do that, how about you do that? How about me do that? This is what makes the wise wise, is they are not elbowing their husbands, per se. They are saying, Lord, search me. Lord, know me. Lord, change me. That's where true power comes from. A thousand percent. You ask any therapist, any school counselor, you ask any spiritual guru or guide or mentor or director, and you will hear the same thing. Just listen to Jesus. What did he say to the people that were about to stone that woman? If any of you are without sin, then go ahead and pick up that stone. What happened? Everyone left. That's the gospel. You, 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 you in light of Jesus. You in light of Jesus. Not your neighbor, your husband, your boss, your leader. You and me in light of Christ. That's the true gospel. 
Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. That means go to church and pray. Simple. Read your Bible as we understood Him and worship. Praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Having, number 12, a spiritual awakening. Now this, wow, this is major. Like This is like next level stuff. Not many people do I, do I know that had have, have had a spiritual awakening. But here's the good news. This transition that we're going through, this 2020, guess what it's trying to do in you and me? Kill you, harm you, make you mad, make you such a compassionate person? No. To have a spiritual awakening. And out of that can come all the other stuff. Spiritual awakening. Towards what? I don't know exactly, but I can guess. Love that you would love others more genuinely, that you would be kind, that you would be gentle, that you would be a woman of peace, a man of love. The gospel, the spiritual fruits, as Galatians 5 calls them. So number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we would say as a result of, yes, these steps, as well as, of course, community, love, relationship, prayer, you know, we try to carry this message to other people in need, and that's what I'm trying to do. As I am becoming more awake, as a cool kid say, it simply means as I say, Lord, please change me, please forgive me, please, Lord, search me and know my heart, know all the evil and the wrong things that I do and say and think. As I try to do that, I am trying to then carry this out to other people. And to practice these principles in all our affairs, what it says right there. So back to the scripture. That was just a little detour here that goes right with this idea of I want to do good and yet I can't and all this. So verse 21, so I find this is Romans 7. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war, says the apostle, against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Whew. Man, thank you, Lord. And that's why he says here, this is the point of this whole thing. What a wretched man I am. That's the gospel, my dear friend. When you come to the place in your life with Jesus that you can honestly, utterly, and gutturally say, what a wretched woman I am. And you don't do that to condemn yourself or to hate yourself or to, God forbid, harm yourself. But because you have been so convicted of how great Jesus is, then that's the moment where you can say, Lord, your grace over me. Lord, your banner over me is love. Lord, come over me. Change me. Heal me. Mold me. Shape me. I want to know you, Jesus, in the power of your resurrection, being like you in pain, in suffering, in power, and in this journey with you. That's what we talked about yesterday. That's what the gospel is. What a wretched man is not a place of him putting you under a thumb. It's a place of you coming into alignment with what you know about yourself, that you deal with that ego, that you deal with that vanity, that there's anger in you that is hidden. You have to come to that place ongoingly because sin is ongoing in us. We have to come to that place every morning, every evening, 24-7, where we say, what a wretched woman that I am. Now, don't stop there. That's where Satan wants you to stay. And that's why people don't like the gospel, because they think they only look at the satanic part. You know, you know, like it's not satanic to say what a wretched man. That's the Holy Spirit. But Satan can come in right there and destroy you and says, well, you might as well just end your life. 
There's no hope for you. You're this, this, and this, right? But the gospel is not that. The gospel is what happens next. Who will rescue me? I love this rhetorical question. From this body that is subject to death. From sin and death, the King James says. I love it. Let's read the King James. I love the King James because it's, uh, it's really the most, the closest to the original text. I know that people hate it because of the these and thous, but it's really the most, the closest to the original language here. It is. Here it is. It says, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? There it is. And that's what it, doesn't it feel like death when you come to grips with the ugliness of your sin, of your envy, of your vanity, of your controlling others? Doesn't, doesn't it just irk you when you realize how judgmental you've been? How you are a perfectionist and you hurt other people with your perfectionist tendencies? Doesn't it just kill your soul when you realize that pride that is, you know, just barely under the surface there, that envy that nobody knows about? Of course it does. It kills us. That's what it says right here. It's, it's death. But, he says, who shall deliver me from this death? I thank God, verse 21, verse 5, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me go to the ESV, another very accurate translation of the, of the Scriptures. English Standard Version. Let's look at that. Verse 7 again, sorry for the fast scrolling there. So verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Exclamation point. Paul is saying, thank you, Lord, that you are the deliverer. That is the gospel, my dear friends. The gospel is not, oh, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, I'm so bad. That's not the gospel. That's conviction. That's repentance. But you're still at that crucial point of you can still go downhill and Satan can still get a hold of you. Now, I'm no, I'm no sinner. That's, all, that's also satanic. I'm not that. That's my wife's problem. That's the boss. That's the president's problem. That's my leader problem. That's when you're pointing fingers or everybody, what is all saying? Look how many fingers are pointing back at you. Back to what I said in the title of this, of this podcast. It's not about what you see in others. It's the reflection of yourself that you're seeing. You're not seeing people's envy. You're seeing your own envy in them. Oh, darn it. You're not seeing the racism in other people. You're seeing the racist, racist tendencies in you yourself. Oh, boy. You're not seeing the how how pride and egotistical that person is, or how you know they're just messy and all over the place, and how they're just full of junk and full of full of uh, of, of of crazy ideas. You're seeing that very tendency in you. I had someone tell me once, I forget exactly what they said, and I thought, you know, because we're so good at seeing the sin in others, I thought, man, you're exactly the same way. That's why you're telling me that, aren't you? But that's a journey of life. When people condemn us, when people criticize me or you, you have to realize that they're seeing that same weakness in themselves. And you have to then realize that when you are judging someone else, when you see all these faults with people that you love or your boss or the people you serve or your children or your best friends, your parents, your husband, your wife, it's because you 
have been hiding that very fault in yourself and you're just trying to placate it, what do you do with that wretchedness? Thanks be to God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, who saves us, who gives us a new heart, a new creation, who can change our heart of stone into our heart of flesh. Lord, change me, Lord Jesus. Make me, Lord, pure like you. Make me, Lord, white as snow, Jesus. In these days of pandemic and blah, 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 Lord, help me to be more humble, to be more kind, to be more gentle, to be less judgmental, to be less pragmatic or perfectionist or envious. Lord, help me to be more like you, filled with love and kindness and grace. And when others offend me, Lord, may I give them to the cross. When others persecute me, Lord, may I see that, that I am identifying with your sufferings, Lord, and I'm becoming like you. And like Paul says, rejoice in the Lord, in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Like James 1 says, consider it all joy when you face many persecutions. Because it is that, it is in, in through that that we would gain maturity in being like Christ. So there's so much there, and that's just scratching the surface, my dear friends of how powerful and how amazing the gospel is, how easy it is to to judge other people, but really see it as an invitation. You know, I, I, I always tell myself when I become judgmental or critical or, or envious, you name it, I have all the sins in me. When I see that in others, I say, Lord, the grace of God over me, Lord, Forgive me, and I say the peace of Christ. I, I preach the gospel to myself all the time. The peace of God over me. The peace of God. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And I resist the devil because that's where the devil wants to come in and keep you down. And like I said, put that boot on your neck and say, yeah, man, you're going to die. And, and forgive the analogy there, which obviously would happen with George Floyd. But I'm not talking about racism or, or police brutality. I'm talking about how Satan comes like a horrible spirit to destroy you when you're down. And yet the gospel of Jesus Christ is what picks us up and who gives us life. That is the spirit of God. He convicts you, yes, but he points you to Jesus. He doesn't point you to yourself or to despair or to ignoring your problem or to alcohol or, or addictions. He points you to the cross where your sin is forgiven, where Jesus bore your death on a cross where he bore all of your sins and he carried the cross for your and my sin and he forgave us and he gave us a new spirit and a new life and a new power through his holy spirit to live a life of freedom a life of gossip and that is what we talk about here and that is what we believe and if you like i always say have never believed have never heard or maybe you need to hear this message of hope once again all you got to do is just say lord Forgive me of my sins. I will follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you, my dear friends. Leave me a comment below. Put a one in there if you'd like to receive more information for your Spanish-speaking daughter, friend, neighbor, who needs to say, tu y yo por siempre, you and me forever. It's a book that we're going to go over on Friday nights at 8 p.m. in Espanol, in Spanish, We'll do one in English if there's interest. If you would like one in English, leave a two in the comments below. And leave a two if you would like to have something like this in English for young couples or just really couples of any age who would like to learn the biblical principles for a marriage that serves Jesus together for life. Francis Chan and his wife, Lisa, wonderful communicators of the Bible. 
missionaries. I believe they're here in San Francisco again. I think they were in Hong Kong for a while, but I believe they're back here in Northern California. But anyway, if you would like a biblical perspective on how to have a relationship, marriage, or maybe how to get ready for marriage in a way that honors God, that's biblical, that is founded on faithfulness, on love, then um, this book is for you. Friday nights, 8 p.m. on Zoom for free. In Espanol for now. Leave me a one if you are interested in that. And if you want one in English, leave me a two in the comments below. And we will go from there. Thank you so much for being here. And I will see you next time. Share this broadcast. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The David Trigg Show. Find the complete archive at davidtrigg.com or subscribe for free through the podcast app on iTunes or Stitcher on Android. Each week, we bring you a message of joy, success, and personal power in spite of fear, anxiety, and depression. Because as we like to say, though there's pain in the night, gozo comes in the morning.